this photo with like some people like having food and, and then you see that okay you can actually choose to join into the squad if you want to you can, you can choose to connect with them so this is also like how we see that how do people connect these days because it's not really straightforward how do, how do you find a person that is suitable for you it's all like mutual interests once again that's so the base question is like how do you create this environment that people can be themselves i am myself now with you but it's another it's a side of myself that yeah. i'm not with my parents for example and it's all that we believe is creating then, well, different squads basically, different communities you can express yourself. Welcome to Mangtas Nation Season 2. This season is all about tech of the future. We'll be sharing real-world experiences and featuring astounding guests to help guide you in your tech journey. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Hello everyone, this is Jackie Demenk together with Walter Delvare and welcome to the Mangtas Nation podcast where we bring you the most inspiring and insightful tech stories from around the world. Today, we're thrilled to have another exceptional guest joining us. With her outstanding achievements and diverse background, she is a true trailblazer in the field of social tech. As a CEO and co-founder of Scapa, the AI social tech company behind the popular social networks Lika and Fika, our guest has helped revolutionize the way people connect and engage online. Her experience working with some of the world's most prestigious organizations has given her a unique perspective on business and leadership, and we absolutely can't wait to hear her personal insights and stories today. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Listeners, please join us in welcoming Denise Sanquist. Hey, Denise, welcome to the show. Hi, Jackie. Very nice to, to be here. And thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> thank you. Well, um, before, anything, uh, before anything else, b before we dive to your, your business and... Uh, all the other juicy details that start with one of the juiciest ones. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your interesting background, please, Denise? Yes, uh, sure. Um, yeah, so my name is uh, Denise Sanquist. I'm uh, 32 years old. Uh, I uh, grew up in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, but I'm adopted from Vietnam. So uh, I was born in Hanoi, uh, adopted when I was a baby up in Sweden, wanted to become a diplomat because I wanted to sort of change the world. Um, so I did this um, military service as military interpreter and interrogator in Russian um, because I knew that if I would do this military service, I could um, work at the Swedish embassy in Moscow. So um, I did it after high school. It's a quite uh, tough education, so about uh, 600 new words in Russian per week, and new grammar, eliminating exams uh, every Friday. We have to score about 97% three times in a row. If not, you're kicked out. So that kind of very uh, social year after my high school. Um, and um, yeah, if you were able to pass that, you would get employed by the Swedish Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, which I did. So I moved to Moscow when I was 20, 21. Uh, lived there, worked at the Swedish Embassy. Uh, at that time, I was the same age as my Vietnamese mom was when she gave birth to me. Thought, never been to Vietnam, time to go, maybe find some birth parents. Uh, was backpacking in Southeast Asia, came to the hospital where I was born. 
uh, checked if they had any information. They didn't have any. And I thought, okay. And that was your first now, time in Vietnam. That was the first time in Vietnam. Oh. So I thought, um, now I can speak English, Swedish, uh, uh, Russian, some French. Uh, I don't know if I want to become a diplomat anymore. I don't know if that is how I change the world the best. So I thought, mm. no matter if I want to do business or if I want to do become a diplomat, it's always good to know Mandarin. So I thought I moved to China to a small city there. I go all in, study Mandarin the same way as I did in Russian, and I can come back to Vietnam to look for birth parents. So I lived in China for one and a half year in a smaller city there uh, called Nanning. I uh, was looking for my birth parents uh, back and forth. lived in Thailand as well, doing Thai boxing, which is my <laughs> favorite sport, <laughs> and lived in northern Vietnam a bit in 2015 uh, to self-study some Vietnamese and teach some English, that kind of thing. And then moved back to Sweden. So that was some background before I started at the Stockholm School of Economics. And then I had this interest for, for, for Vietnam. Um, well, it started more from a business perspective. So I had an internship in Vietnam during my time at the Stockholm School of Economics in 2016. And during that internship, I was, um, well, posted on Facebook that I was looking for my Vietnamese mother and found her. <laughs> thanks to the no help of, yeah, of thousands of uh, strangers. So I think that coming down to the entrepreneurial story and why Vietnam, it's, uh, I always wanted to do something for Vietnam in Vietnam. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, connections and meaningful connections and doing something, uh, well, actually B2C and not B2B, that was something that became even stronger when I was helped by these hundreds of thousands of strangers. So what I was trying to do in three years was done in 18 days, thanks to, thanks to them. So that's a bit about uh, about me, about my background, and, and so, so, so yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, it seems as if uh, you've done so many things already. It's as if you're 96 now. <laughs> so, like from Sweden, go to Vietnam, uh, just, you know, study, go to Russia, study Russian, go to China, study China, go to Thailand, win the Thai boxing uh, competition. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, well, uh, well uh, going to a bit more on the business side, Denise, uh, let's talk about your company, the one that you founded in Vietnam. So tell us a bit more about Scapa. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, um, I wasn't maybe living my whole life thinking that I would become an entrepreneur or like a tech entrepreneur or so. But um, after that happened in Vietnam, I came back to Sweden. Um, I spoke with my co-founder, Oscar, who has a background in engineering physics and machine learning. And we simply said, or I simply said that, hey, Vietnam is uh, it's so up and coming. It's like China, like seven years ago, so many opportunities. Um, and Oscar, who had his background in machine learning AI, well, this was 2017, right? So this was mm-hmm. pre-chat GPT and the whole... Uh, boom that you see right now. But um, I was telling him, like, is it possible to to use a lot of data and could we maybe individualize the whole like matchmaking or connection process, helping people that are suitable for each other to connect? Um, and then he said, uh, yes, that is uh, theoretically possible. So it was with that idea that we wanted to, to start uh, initially Fika, which is a female-focused AI social and dating app, and then move to a more platform where all types of connections could be formed. So, um, yeah, I, well, told Oscar about, uh, about Vietnam, about that we should do something in AI tech, um, something about connections. And then uh, we moved to Vietnam. I first, I worked at another company, 
uh, bootstrapped and um, grew, we uh, got to a couple of hundreds of thousands, I think, downloads. And then we took in external capital and uh, now we have another app and <laughs> this is uh, two years later and so, so yeah. <laughs> Wow, it's fantastic. All and, and, and I guess, I mean, what is really, what's really touched the nerve, right? Is, is you, you thought about social tech because of how social media ultimately helped you solve a problem that took you forever to solve by yourself, right? What did you say? It took you 13 days. Uh, what, what took you several years, right? Uh, what, what, yeah. what you tried to do for several years now. When you say, and I guess you're, maybe I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into what you just said, helping mm. people who are suitable connect. That's mm. kind of what I took from what you said. Um, what does that mean, right? How do you define suitable? Uh, and, and what is your, when you say connect, is this limited to dating or are you bringing this to a whole different level? Mm. That's a really good question. And, and that is something that's, Honestly, I can say that when we started out with, uh, uh, with Fika, the dating app, it was more the whole thing around that uh, everyone has a taste and it's, it's, it's so complex when it comes to relationships. It's about what you want in this stage and it's a lot of different things. Like it's not about that two people who are exactly the same or a perfect match. It can be like two opposites, right? That could mm -hmm. be the perfect match. So I think that um, the view of and starting Fika was simply to... Um, to use a lot of pre-match data and post-match data and simply see that maybe this is the person that you initially like, but then when we're having also post-match data, this is actually the people that you interact a lot with. These are the ones that you go on successful dates with, etc., etc. So combine the pre and post-match. Um, but then since, since in the end, it's all about connect, like collecting a lot of data based on, based on everything, not only about your behavior, but like simply finding out more about who you are as the person. And I think that um, I often said that if not be a, it will not be a time when you open up Fika and you see like, oh, this is the love of my life initially. Uh, because a lot of things is based on, um, well, uh, chemistry, uh, attraction, sense of humor, the physical meeting. So what we realized is that we always knew that we can, we can optimize around that people suitable based on, all right, uh, maybe like romantic preference based on what you're looking for, based on personality types and different things could be put together. But it is quite complex. And in the end, also why we now we have a new app, so Fika 2.0 turned out to become Lika, was simply that we always wanted to solve around connecting people for any types of relationships. I think that sometimes, I mean, you meet someone on a date and then you, you realize that, okay, there's no really spark here. <laughs> maybe we're better off as, as friends. Or maybe sometimes you start off as friends and then a spark happens and something, something happens. So I think that the end game is not about finding someone to marry or to date. It's more around that. I think that all of us can relate to that. Sometimes you, was, you just need someone to talk to. You feel a bit lonely. Like we just need more belonging, more like well, connections in this world, these type of connections. So when we say about it, it sounds a bit fluffy. I agree with this meaningful connections. Um, but it's really about that the deeper problem is not about finding, finding a date or so it's, it's simply about helping us fulfill this need of connecting with people that could be suitable for us. But 
then it's about that we have different sides, right? We are the Ironman mm. uh, runner, we are the family father, you are the, uh, the business guy, you are, we are different, we're playing different roles. And we have different, well, we have different hats and can connect with people in the different, different types of settings. So this is what we're doing with Leka. It's simply that different groups based on, based on interest, basically, that they can connect with people. And the real, real deep, if you sum up, even more problem that we want to solve around, what we're doing is that social media these days are connecting us a lot. We are extremely connected, but we are lonelier than ever. And we believe that what social media 2.0 needs to solve is simply how can you make us feel a type of belonging and create more deeper, meaningful connections, like fulfill us in that way. Um, so that is, uh, that is our take on this whole like connections. So it's more than just like being connected, like uh, Facebook fans, it's, some, it's something deeper mm -hmm. and you can be that in, in different ways. So meaningful connections and, and whatever that means, right? I, I, love, I love the evolution of the story. Um, and I guess uh, one question um, that I would have is, what, what are some surprising insights that you have seen? Like, like, I think you go into this and you assume, I think you alluded to this, you assume that all similar interests, okay, they'll match. Turns out if they're opposite, they may actually match. Have you seen some really weird scenarios and patterns that actually surprised you based on your data? I think that, yeah, I think that the thing that maybe surprised us the most is it's not only like our data, but it's the, um, like, why are people using, first of all, dating apps? Because we started as a dating app. And if you're looking at Vietnam, the number one reason is not to, um, to hook up. Maybe people lie about that. Um, and it's not actually to find a partner. But the main reason is to find someone to talk to, someone to connect with. Mm. I think that was quite when we sort of realized that and we sort of own data that, I mean, what is the end game? Is the end game to like, immediately meet up or like uh, hook up or is it like, what is it? But you could see that it's, especially with the young generation, I think that is the big difference also with, I wouldn't say it's completely with our data, but it's also like that we know that Gen Z and millennials, I guess that, I guess all of us are, are millennials here. The big difference is that, um, well, we maybe make a difference if you are, uh, if you meet someone online or offline as a, as a fan, but Gen Z's, they grew up with social media, so they don't make any difference. And like, you can have an interaction online and it's, it's the same, well, it's the same for them as to have something offline. So I think that that was something that we saw that it's simply, well, you should create an environment that people can, well, interact like in a very good way, like so socially uh, on the platform. And then another thing that we realized is with our, our data, with qualitative and quantitative data, was that we always wanted to solve around how do people connect better. And then we saw mm -hmm. this whole thing that who do you find someone who is perfect for you, whatever that is. So what is perfect for me is different from what's perfect for you, right? And how do I know what is perfect for me if I don't know myself, etc., etc. And then we have the big issue and also comes data collection that how can we know who you are if you are not really <laughs> true about who you are, right? Comes down to the whole <laughs> Something out, you know, the whole difficulty with social media these days because everyone is a little bit fake, right? Mm -hmm. Or like our top, 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 top one, and like images ourselves. So then we saw that by speaking to our users, we saw that a lot of people, so we have 85% Gen Cs, and that's what we had in Fika. And we saw that um, most people had multiple social media accounts. 
You have your Finsta, which is your fake Instagram account. You have your Insta, which is your real Instagram account where you are yourself. And you have your Instagram account where you are the foodie, you like you have, you have different sides of you. And then the reason why nine out of 10 don't want to post is because that they are afraid to offend others simply. So we can see that it's like posting something that is like irrelevant. So if I have a tattoo and I may want to post about it, but I don't want to post about it really because I'm afraid to offend someone who is maybe in my social graph, in my social network. So a big realization was that like we have this whole, this huge need of sharing different parts of ourselves. Um, but to people that are likely to appreciate those sites. So I think that that was something that was the whole big, like our realization that, all right, how do you create an environment where people can sort of be themselves and what is yourself? Because you have a friend and maybe you want to show two out of 10 sites to, to that friend. That does, just because this is a working friend or whatever, that doesn't mean that you are not the, the tennis guy or like uh, the blah, 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 the yoga girl and so and so. So how can we create an environment where you simply are yourself, but to people that would appreciate those sides of yourselves. So those are the things, uh, a lot of insights, talking to our users, uh, clearly moving from creating a dating app initially, uh, female focused for the Asian audience to realizing that this is the problem that you want to solve. And the road towards solving that, it's not exactly like, uh, like, like that. And for us, when we realized that, true. all right, yeah. And when we realized that, okay, we wanted to rebrand Fika towards a, a social app where you can find anyone based on like who you are for friendship, romantic relationships, and you can maintain your relationships as well. And obviously you don't want to hang out with your, you cannot be with your wife, right? Or your boyfriend in something that is seen as a dating app. So that is the thing. So yes, we had that, we do a couples version with Fika. That is exactly what we did last year. It's like, okay, you go into the couples version. So then we have to cut off, right? So if you're in the couples mood, other people cannot see you. But that's a very lonely experience. Just because now on Fika, I can say honestly, just because on Fika right now, you can put on the profile that you're only looking for friends. You're only looking for networking. And you can filter and only find these people. Just because you say that you solve the problem, is that really the problem that we're solving? And, and that is the whole thing with this entrepreneurial journey. And so that <laughs> we realized also, we thought we can always like rebrand towards like dating to social and dating and to social. We did a survey in October, 600 respondents, 60% know about us because we are closer to 2 million downloads now as Fika, the dating app, which is positive, right? But also negative in yeah. another way. And then my co-founder said, hey, it looks like the problem that we are, uh, well, the product that we are developing towards, it's so different from the base dating app that we were doing two years ago. Would it make sense to break it out? Which is what we did. So a lot, a lot of learnings. Uh, and I think that's the, that's, the, that's the whole entrepreneurial journey, right? You start with wanting to Machine solve learnings the problem. and personal learnings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that's how startups survive at the end of the day, right? It's the ones that, not the ones with the best idea initially, but the ones that adapt the best based on what the market tells them, right? I have a quick follow-up question, but before I do, just to be very clear, we're not all millennials here, uh, especially <laughs> <Yes>. not Jackie. <laughs> oh, you are. Uh... Okay, I thought so. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm Gen Z. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> 
um, no, so I wanted to ask you, um, how do you create an environment where people are truly themselves? What's the magic sauce? Um, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, the, I have not, I'm going to be, be a bit frank here. I know very few people that are truly themselves. <laughs> uh, and and how, how do you create that environment? What are, what are the key components and ingredients for you to get there? Yeah, exactly. That's a billion dollar question. So what we have done, so this is, this is Leka, right? Um, so I think that maybe you are familiar with the, the app Be Real, uh, or maybe not. So Be Real is, um, is a huge social media app right now, and most of the users are Gen Zs. And um, Be Real, for example, then, uh, it's the whole thing that once per day you get a notification, and then you have two minutes to post, and then you can only post with your front camera and your back camera. And you cannot upload anything from your camera or you cannot filter it and so. And this has like completely blown up, right? Like blown up. Um, Be Real is an example of an app that is, um, well, they closed their Series B uh, last year, uh, 60 million USD. They valued 600 million uh, USD. And it's simply, Be Real is one example, but Paparazzi and Dispo are other apps that are examples of just that, you know, that authenticity is like how you have to be. Like you have to be authentic in some way. So that comes down to how we do it is that, we are a little bit as be real in the sense that when you're posting in the app, you cannot use, you can just use your in-app camera, but we are not forcing people to like, wow, it comes on notification and now it's time to be real because what we believe is that, well, yes, it is real in a sense, but it's actually just like what you're doing in this like minute of like two windows, right? It's just what you're doing right then. So it's there really you sort of, but you can actually choose to post later. Um, well, in that sense. So what we are doing is that uh, in Leka, so we're having different squads. So squads are different communities based on interests. So I have a, I'm in a cat squad because I really like cats. Then I'm in the Scapa squad uh, because, yeah, obviously. Um, and then I have created an investor squad as well. Um, and then I'm having, a, I could also potentially be like in a Thai box squad, like different sides of me. And then um, in every squad, there is a squad leader or squad leaders, like a community manager. And maximum once per day, the squad leader can make a mission that the other people in the squad should do. So this mission is a little bit similar to the prompt that is sent out by uh, Be Real. So when you open up Leka, um, the first screen you see is the camera. And then it says that, um, like, so if I'm in, um, well, in the Scapa squad or if I'm in the cat squad, it comes like, as a squad leader, you always want people to engage, right? To dare, to share, to share more, worry less. Um, and then uh, it can be like, okay, photo of you and your cats when you're doing something like fun or so and so. So this is something I would be happy to share in the cat squad, but I would not like to, I would not like to share it uh, in the, in, in the Scapa mm -hmm. squad, for example. So then um, you take the photo or like to take the contents. So you can do a photo or video and then you post it either inside of the squad only because the problem with social media is that in, on Facebook, for example, you have your friends, you have your colleagues, you have your relatives, you have so the social graph is so big. So you become like, oh, like I don't want to post anything because people will not like what I'm posting. So it becomes very low engaging also for a lot of people or you don't end up posting at all. 
and then to think about Instagram. So Instagram is about that, okay, it's maybe very high engaging content once you are posting, but mm -hmm. the, well, the journey of actually posting is quite big because the pressure on Instagram is quite high when it's creating perfect content. And then if you think about be real then, be real is has really cracked this thing about that, oh, you are only sharing in your smaller group of friends. Those are the only ones that can see your ugly photos about what you're doing right now. But be real is very, it's very authentic content. So you can be yourself, but at the same time, it's very low engaging content for people outside of our smaller group. So if the three of it's us, like niche we content are, for you. yeah. So if the three of us, we're really good friends and I'm posting. Um, or like I'm, I'm taking a photo of my coffee cup right now and, and my, my face, you're like, oh, you like the knees. So like, I like the knees. So it's, I know what she's doing, but I know what she's up to right now. It's maybe a little bit relevant for you, but imagine then that I'm posting this photo of the coffee cup and my face, like to the discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the reality now on Be Real. So then if you want to do something else and just looking at your closer, closer, closer friends group photos, when you go to discovery, what you're going to see is ugly, ugly, ugly photo from random, random, random person. It's a little bit difficult to connect with, with that person. So what we're doing here is that it's very similar to, I would say that Lek is a mix between say like Be Real and TikTok. So TikTok is very amazing because you open up TikTok, you don't have to have any friends at all. And then you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And then suddenly it becomes very curated, like very perfect engaging content for you based on what you like. <laughs> so that's high engaging content. And when TikTok came out, it was also very authentic content in comparison to other platforms. Now to be a TikTok creator, it's, a, it's more perfectionism there because the level is so high. But then it comes down to that you see a lot of content, but you really want to connect with the person that created the content, the, con the creator behind the cat video, the tennis video, et cetera, et cetera. And here is where we create this environment where you, you can share only in your squad. And you feel safe to share only in your squad. If you feel that you want to share the content to like publicly, that is possible. And then when other people are scrolling inside of Leka, you can see content similar to TikTok that is based on what you like in terms of interest, but mm -hmm. there's also a chance for you to connect with the creator behind the content. So if you live in um, Singapore and you like uh, food and then you're scrolling on, on Leka and then you're like, la 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 la, oh, and you're seeing this this photo with like some people like having food and, and well in, in Singapore. And then you see that, okay, um, you can actually choose to join into the squad. If you want to, you can, you can choose to connect with them. So this is also like how we see that. How do people connect these days? Because it's not really straightforward. How do, how do you find a person that is suitable for you based on, and it, it can, it's like, it's, it's all like mutual interests. So mm -hmm. with Leka, it's, um, once again, that's so the base question is like, how do you create this environment that people can be themselves? And it's, it's actually, it's really true. Like who is really themselves all the time? I am myself now with you, but it's another, it's a side of myself that yeah. I'm not with my parents, for example. And it's all that we believe is creating then different, well, different squads, basically different communities. You can express yourself. So you compartmentalized your environments into different squads. You can be one side of you to that squad, another side to the other one. Love it. You, you mentioned connecting through squads. I get that. Um, my question is once you're in the squad, do you then connect on a one-to-one -one level or is, or is it always as, as a squad? Yeah, you can connect to one-to-one -one level. So it's, um, uh, so the whole thing is that 
if you think Facebook groups is that you're writing the, the post and then you add in a photo. But now things are very uh, photo, video, like uh, uh, focused. You think about TikTok, for example. Yeah. So someone uploads something and you like, you write in the comments and you connect like based on, based on that. So now it's, uh, since it's the same with us, we are very content focused. So people can comment and connect like in the, well, in the chat, we have like a Reddit function. So you can upvote and like can downvote to different comments. You create like, you create like discussions based on content. But then the plan is also to create, we don't have a chat between two people right now, but that is something that we're going to add in. So it's exactly what you said. It's the, you can, well, you can, you should, you should uh, use the, uh, talk about like extroverted and introverted people that, well, extroverted people, <laughs> we maybe need to speak more and like, I feel that we connect. But actually, if you're maybe more introverted, you don't have to necessarily say something. You can just maybe like sit around with a lot of people that share something in common with you and just feel a sense of belonging. And it's the same that I think that all of us, we sometimes just call maybe Reddit, we look at YouTube comments and we don't necessarily like engage in the conversations, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just the whole thing that, that, well, you don't have to engage if you don't want to, but it's the one feel a sense of belonging. Yeah. And also another thing is that now these days when you're scrolling on TikTok, as well as you're scrolling on Instagram, you're feeling lonelier and lonelier and lonelier because everyone has the perfect and perfect and perfect lives. But what we believe in what we see now in Leka is that the whole feeling when you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and seeing relevant content for you from people that share something in common with you, but you're seeing the unfiltered size of the content. That is actually creating this feeling of authentic content. People. Exactly. That is creating this, this in the box, the sense of, the sense of belonging that like Instagram doesn't. Boom. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh-huh. well, have you always wanted to start something, start a, a company, Denise? Have you always been entrepreneurial? Was this something that was uh, always your plan down the line? Uh, no. Um, so um, I think I've always been a person who wanted to, uh, if I see something that I don't like, I would like to maybe like try to fix it in some way. So I think that my personality is more that, um, so something that shaped me a lot uh, is that my um, my mom actually passed away when I was nine uh, here in Sweden in, in oh, cancer. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's, um, you know, that's, um, that's also a time when I start to think more about Vietnam that, oh, in another country, uh, on the other side of the world, I'm like, everyone, I have two parents because everyone wants to be like everyone else, right? Especially at that age. Um, so first I want to become a doctor because I wanted to uh, sort of solve that problem, uh, find a cure to, to cancer. Cancer. Um, and then I uh, just got into the diplomatic programs uh, website by accident and yeah, wanted to become a diplomat instead because I thought that that's how I can make a real difference um, well, in the world. So um, I think that now when it comes to solving problems, I think all of us want to solve, solve problems, right? Um, and I think, that, I think that when it comes to, I have many very high achieving and very like, uh, motivated and driven friends. But I think that what is maybe the difference if you want to become an entrepreneur, especially a tech entrepreneur, <laughs> where it's going very like, uh, like fast, uh, a lot of you taking like external capital. I think it's a lot of your appetite to, uh, to risk actually, and to uncertainty. 
Um, mm -hmm. You can be a super high achiever and you don't have to have your own company or like want to become an entrepreneur and so on. So. And I think that uh, now I didn't know what it was going to be like to have my own company or like to be an entrepreneur or like a CEO now of like 30, 30 people. But I would say that um, looking at my previous, uh, like what I've done and where I have developed sort of, I think that this suits me very well because I like when things are fast paced. I like to be able to like sort of take things in my own hands and like move things to a certain direction and change things. Um, I don't think it's, it's the easiest thing all the time. Uh, so no, I never, I didn't want to become, didn't dream about becoming like an, an entrepreneur. But now when I am, I think it's, uh, it's very suitable. So it suits maybe you. a, a follow-up question. Um, so we have obviously a lot of listeners that may want to become entrepreneurs, right? Um, and especially tech entrepreneurs, I guess this is uh, the, the hot thing, right? Uh, what would be your advice to, to anyone that wants to go down this route? Um, yeah, I would say um, really trying to find a problem that you are really, really, really passionate about. Um, it sounds like a very cliche, but uh, I haven't done this for an extremely long amount of time, but it's not always going to be like the, the road there is not, as I said, it's not really straight. So it's going to be so many days when it's like, you think you would solving it this way. Oh no, it's not really, it's not really working out or it's not exactly what you planned. So I think this whole thing about persistency is extremely important because the thing is that you're not going to be motivated every day. You have to be very disciplined <laughs> uh, because, uh, and if you're going to be disciplined, everything's make it easier. If you, if you create something or like if you are trying to solve something that you are, you personally are very empower like feel very 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 strongly for solving so that is one thing and then i also think that it's um it's very important when if you want to become like an entrepreneur a tech entrepreneur that we see so much things in media about this person raises around or like oh it's so it's so easy or oh, we just had this idea of raising 10 million just like on a powerpoint and you see all these success stories it's like happy story these cases right and then you may be listening to interviews with with entrepreneurs and you see all the, you see the whole glory side of things. And that is of course a part of it, but of course it's also, that's something that I think everyone should be upfront about is that of course that if you want, if you choose to become an entrepreneur you believe that you're going to do something that most people will fail to do. So you're automatically quite, quite positive. And it's, it's of course you need to, like it's, it's spreading that image like forward. But I think it's also important if, if someone wants to this is not to discourage anyone. It's more to uh, motivate even more to like, more like just do the research. I think it's also important to see that maybe look at um, people who didn't take in external funding. Maybe it took like a longer time, but maybe that suits better because if you take in external funding, that is also going to lead to a certain pressure to maybe scale or it's going to lead to, to other things. And I think that there are so many, there's such a big, um, so many people talk about mental health. And I think that not, maybe not so much about mental health when it comes to, I don't know, like entrepreneurship or like uh, founders or so. Uh, because maybe as a founder or like as a CEO and entrepreneur, you should always be so, so positive and so, and so like happy. But I have a lot of people, a lot of friends who have run, so running their own companies. And it's very stressful, <laughs> a lot of uncertainty. And uh, I think that um, it's, it's like, if you look at the stats, most people are going to fail. And it's completely okay, okay to fail 
but it's very tough. I imagine to, to fail when you have poured so many, so much energy and like ambition and your life like into an idea. But I think that before you are taking the step and maybe quitting your job or uh, or like going all in, I think it's fair to yourself because you're probably feeling that urge to do it because you see the, all the positive sides. But I think to have a really like 360 degrees just analysis around it, also look at the whole like the tougher sides with being like an entrepreneur and see that, okay, it's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of, I think, mental health discussion to be talked about here. And then I think before deciding to go into it, um, well, that's the research I would, I would um, advise everyone to, to do. <laughs> so I, I, very interesting. I love the way you summarized it. Um, and, and, and I obviously noted it down, like finding the problem, be passionate about it because it's going to get tough. Um, and, and you gotta wake up every day and do it anyway. Uh, the funding pressure, I think we can, you know, I think a lot of people relate to that. It's cool to raise money, but it comes with strings, right? Um, you mentioned something interesting on mental health and I, I happen to agree a lot with this. Like, I think it's not talked about a lot, um, mm. in this environment. Uh, the toll it takes on people and, and et cetera, right? So, um, well, what's, what is your, how would you, how would you want to change that in your view, right? When you say, do your research, et cetera, how do you think, uh, this could improve for people? Just an opinion, um, from that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that exactly do the research, right? But what, what research is to do if no one is sharing about it, if everyone is pretending that as it is right, that everything is so perfect and so fun and, uh, so I think that what I would like to do about it is, um, I think my, my style is quite, uh, I hope, uh, authentic and not trying to be anyone else. I'm not, uh, I know I'm not an expert in certain things. I know I know certain things. It's just that I'm just, I'm just myself. And I think that, uh, what I would like to do is just continue to, to try to be, well, authentic and open if, in, if ever, like I'm like talking to, to you now, right? About that, that I know that there's not only like, uh, 10 out of 10 uh, and it's, it's not only, only perfect and I think that if more people in my position um, talk about it and be open about that uh, maybe like change, like do a little split in the in the positive LinkedIn posts about all the successes maybe also about that well it's not so <laughs> maybe like other things I think that um, that that would help other people in the ecosystem I think it's not about entrepreneurs so like it's just like in general just like there to, to share your, your struggles, right? Because life is not always perfect. So I think that what I would like to do is just continue to try to be as open and honest and authentic about it as, uh, um, as possible. Um, and luckily, um, I have a quite good, uh, I usually work out a lot and, uh, yeah, well, it's important to, to keep your sort of like mental health in, 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 in control. Um, so I luckily to work didn't, out and uh, prioritize yourself too. Exactly. So uh, I didn't uh, hit the wall like uh, burn out uh, and I hope I would never do. But I think that, um, well, I would say personally that I, I would consider myself a very persistent person, quite uh, positive and like strong and so. And I can really say that it's, um, especially in this, uh, in this market environment <laughs> with a lot of uncertainty, right? I mean, it's, uh, it was definitely better to be an in entrepreneur, I think, uh, like two years ago than, than right now, looking at all the, uh, in, in, some, in some ways. So I think that, yeah. 
yeah so that's that's uh, better that better in terms of funding but you know every struggle is an opportunity right definitely um the fact that you know uh, like like for us we would not exist if it weren't for the pandemic right yeah uh we we solve a problem that that came through the pandemic etc so yeah i i hear what you're saying uh, we can relate to everything you just said <laughs> trust mm. us <laughs> yeah. also i, I do well, have another question jackie if i may so um we spoke a lot about what sorry <laughs> i'm gonna take it too far jackie sorry um no um you, you spoke a lot about the problem you solve uh the community the way your approach your unique approach i love, love everything about it what we haven't spoken about much is the tech right um ultimately we do want to if possible like to go a little bit deeper into that because ultimately mm -hmm. we have a lot of tech listeners would be good to go a little do a little bit of a deep dive at least one level lower how does it work under the hood conceptually at least um how yeah, beyond okay compartmentalizing etc matching what are some of the algorithms that that really make or break you right now well yeah so um in terms of uh we have a very strong recommendation algorithm that is the what is the most important for us and that is what we have been setting up now this latest uh, six seven months i've been training and it is uh, this is why we have we have two data analysts um or like data scientists um inside our team and i think that to do something like this in-house and have my co-founder who has the ai ai background between us that is uh, well, a strong competitive advantage and it simply works that well, you know it's all about data right so it's just that the more and more content that people upload, the more and more that we can sort it. So you don't have to even write that you are doing this right now or like blah, blah, blah. So we can just see on your, your email, okay, this is, the, this is a girl that is, uh, la, that is drinking coffee, she's at this place. And so it's just like sorting data simply. And then just completely setting up the whole, the whole system, just like train the algorithm, just becoming better and better and better at, at, at recommendations simply. So that is, um, um, I think I usually like the deep, I don't know how like the next like level you want to go, but I can say that, um, well, that is sort of like that I feel very comfortable explaining it, but then it's, um, um, yeah, it's everything from that I can say, um, more like from an standard point of view, um, Fika. So we have 2 million downloads with Fika and we have over, one million now verified profiles on, on Fika, which means that um, we have been checking all the profiles with operators manually verifying that each person is, is real because there's a lot of problem on dating apps, especially when it comes to fake profiles, etc. So then it's, um, we have been able to build something called AI Find, which we're going to launch later this year. And that is that you, based on simply looks interest and personality can find someone suitable based on on what you like so we take into consideration how you have been using the app but also since we have a lot of data since we have a lot of photos since we're able to extract different different features of people and also from that people have uploaded simply like interest and so and so and since we're also having a lot of personality tests there's now I'm talking about fika because that is why we we started to train this algorithm very beginning we're having using mbti uh, 16 personality tests so a lot of just like questions that people have responded to, having over 300,000 personality tests. And now later we'll be able to type in simply, you can upload a photo or a person like of a style that you like, 
if you have a specific taste in person, and you can type in how you want the person to be based on looks and interests. And then you will be able to find a person or like find people then based on that description. Quite cool. Sounds amazing. And well, you mentioned uh, like you have a data analyst in-house, Denise. Are there services that you prefer to keep in-house and are there services that you prefer to outsource in, uh, in your company? Um, everything in-house. So everything uh, is in-house. we keep everything in-house. So uh, that's how we are doing it from the very beginning and continue on to this day. And as a tech company early stage, I get it. So uh, is all of it, where's your team based? Uh, everyone is based in uh, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. So there are 30 people. Fantastic. I love the food in Vietnam. Let me just say it. I think they have the best, you guys have the best food in the world. <laughs> but uh, I just, I know we're just a little bit pressed for time, Denise, but just in, there aren't a lot of female founders, considering also last month was uh, International Women's History Month. You know, there are not a lot of uh, female founders, but then especially not a lot of female CEOs. So... How is it to be a female CEO, especially in the tech tech industry? How how is it? And do you have any advice for female CEOs out there who might be listening to our show and just starting up? Yeah. Um, okay. So if you are a female CEO with a business background, uh, ask me. I think find a technical co-founder if you want to go into tech. I think that's that's a that's a something really really good to do, and I think that if you are a female with with a tech background, you're like a female role. I think what I usually say is that it's all about confidence a lot of times, and I think that um, the advice is just to simply believe in yourself that you can that you can do it. Uh, why why couldn't you? I think that women with a lot of a lot of times I think that sometimes women don't have that much as much confidence i would say as uh, as men in themselves or like wanting to think that i often see that uh often i'm not sure that i can do it and think this like uncertainty and the thing is that when you are going to be a ceo right you have to believe that you have the competence and that you can actually tell people tell pe people what to do for example that you have the judgment to lead things forward and that you, yet you can do it and what I usually say is that if you never try, you already fail. And I think that's the thing that a lot of, uh, it comes down to confidence, that a lot of um, women out there, like you have, like you're as good as, <laughs> as everyone else, as smart as everyone else, as competent as, as everyone else. What's only missing is the, is the whole, is the whole uh, belief that you can do it. And for me, I have always been a female CEO in, in tech, so I cannot compare with, with anything else. But I think that uh, if, the, um, if the fear for maybe other potential aspiring female CEOs in tech is that you're going to be looked at, like, I don't know, uh, pushed out, or I don't know, that's maybe not competent, or and so I think it's just like, not, you, you just be yourself. Not, not, don't, and that is good enough. No need to try to, for me, for example, I don't mm -hmm. have a tech background. My co-founder is the CTO, he has a tech background, that we're doing a tech startup. It's not only about the tech, it's about, it's a lot of different components 
it's a lot it's a, it's a lot of different components and if you want to be a ceo in tech and you're a female and you feel afraid that you don't have you are techy enough or that you are afraid that other people will treat you in a certain <coughs> way um i have not experienced that uh, ever and i'm not trying to to be anything else uh, than i am and as i will say also to other other females uh, out there that no need to to try to fit in in something that you see that this is how you're supposed to be as a tech CEO. Yeah. Wonderfully said. Don't try to be anybody else but yourself. Mic drop. Mic drop. You should stop right there. <laughs> very nice. Uh, well, um, Denise, it was very lovely talking to you. It was very nice. You're such a, an admirable woman. Now, uh, for anybody who would like to get in touch with you or, or find you, where can our listeners do that? Yeah, thank you so much, Jackie, Walter. <laughs> really appreciate thank you your time. And, uh, yeah. and if someone wants to get in contact, I'm quite uh, active on uh, LinkedIn. So uh, Denise uh, Sandquist, and I have uh, Instagram, I have Leka as well. <laughs> um, I have Instagram and, uh, and Facebook, and my email is denise at scapa.ai. I think LinkedIn is the best. Uh, LinkedIn or email is the where most uh, frequent. Fantastic. And uh, for sure, Denise is in the Scapa squad and uh, also in the cat squad she, we might be able to find her there as well <laughs> that's true <laughs> well um again denise thank you once again for taking the time to be with us today i'm sure for 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 us uh, for me and for uh, for walter and uh, for our listeners your insights have been incredibly valuable and uh, we wish you success in all that you do in, in scapa indica and in fika and it's just yeah. uh, absolutely amazing so more success to you and um, you. well, that's a wrap for today's episode of Mangtas Nation. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the conversation and learned something new today. And definitely we'll be back next time with another great episode. Once again, this is Jackie Dumang. Walter Dilbare. And stay tuned for the next episode of Mangtas Nation. Thank you for tuning in to Mangtas Nation. Mangtas your curated marketplace for B2B outsourcing solutions. Follow our social media pages to know more about us. Sign up as a client or sign up as a vendor and be part of this global B2B marketplace. Join us at www.mangtas.com.